everybody welcome to the 166th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling here in beaverton oregon and yo the draft just happened and i know a lot of people are gonna look at youtube highlights and that yo that shit's dope but we got a pretty special guest that has watched a bunch of north carolina games and i'm gonna let him introduce himself what's up bro Yo, what's going on? This is Leonard, L Brothers Media on Twitter. Um, happy to be here, man. Yeah, well, we are happy to have you, bro, because Nazir Little wasn't really on our radar because he was always projected to be like a lotto pick. So yeah. when he was when he was sliding down, we we're like, damn, this is fantastic. But <laughs> damn, I haven't watched much Nazir Little. So I'm hoping that you can uh, help us uh, learn more about Nazir's game, man. Yeah, I'll try, man. I'll try. So what I what I think is fantastic about this pick, if you're a Blazer fan, one, we didn't have to buy any picks to move up. He is our guy. He is our one draft pick we got. And if you listen to Neil Olshay's press conference after the draft, it was a little uh, emotional for him because it was the first without Paul Allen, and the draft is basically Paul Allen's Christmas. And he basically said, if Nasir Little was falling to them, Paul Allen would have been all over Neil to do whatever it takes to move up to 20, to 21, 19, whatever. Money, picks, it didn't matter to get that guy because at that tier, Little was the number one prospect on Portland's draft board. But with Allen out of the picture and his sister in, in the fold, there is a lot less uh, red tape in, in that sense. So it was really just Neil and the other upper management and they had to sit and they had to wait, just like you and I did, Sage. And we continued to kind of count down the picks. Okay, we liked Kevin Porter. We liked Bull Bull. We liked um, Keldon Johnson and, and Little. And it got to the point where mathematically we were going to get one of those players. And it really just came down to whether Neil would take one of those players or he would kind of go off the cusp. And he did go off the cusp last year. I had no idea we were going to get Anthony Simons or trade for Gary Trent Jr. That was probably the good end. The bad end was two years ago when we took Caleb Swanigan at 26 with Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Bell still on the board. So you didn't really know. But when Woj came on the television, you know, we put our phones aside for, for that pick. We wanted to kind of be a little bit surprised. But it said Nasir Little was on top of the Blazers draft board. Expect Portland to take him. You know, we immediately were, were floored because here is a kid who coming into the summer probably of 2018 was a projected top five, top three pick right where Cam Reddish was, was, was slated to go. MVP of the Jordan brand, MVP of the McDonald's All-American game. I mean, any, everything you would want in a five-star prospect. And he is at a position of need. So not only are you getting best player available, but a position that Portland has really lacked an elite level player since Scottie Pippen 19 years ago. So you're looking at a kid 19 years old, 6'7", 7'2", wingspan, athlete for days, and He's got a 4.2 GPA, smart as hell, got great parents. I mean, they're already, you know, on Twitter welcoming him to the city. The fan base is really excited. Everything seems like this is going to be a steal for the Blazers. 
But Leonard, give us a little bit of intel as to maybe why Nasir didn't have as big of an impact at North Carolina his freshman year that many expected him to have. Um, I think that the the thing was with him is, like you said, he had all those accolades and everybody was really excited. I remember being excited about, um, you know, him picking us and everything. I think the thing was that, you know, the the biggest surprise of the draft being Cam Johnson going yeah. number 11. So the number 11 pick in the draft was ahead of Nasir on the depth chart. You know what I mean? So he came in, you know, with, with all of the, the, the hype and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, Cam was sitting right there, you know, as a senior, you know, he, he had, uh, he transferred from uh, Pittsburgh and he played, you know, the season before, but he was injured. Um, so he really didn't get a chance to show what he could do. Plus we had Justin Jackson at the time. But Cam actually had two years of eligibility. So he came back for another senior year. You know what I mean? So he was there. He was healthy. He had like a some kind of surgery on his hip or something like that. So he was ready to go. So I think the thing that kind of hurt Nasir to a certain extent was that there was somebody that, you know, was was already at the spot that he normally would play at. It wasn't like Kobe White where, you know, no disrespect to Seventh Woods and good luck to him over at South Carolina. But you know, it wasn't like Kobe coming in is basically like, yo, this is this is my my spot. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the guy behind me really ain't as good as me. You know what I mean? So I think that he walked into a different type of situation than, you know, even Kobe did. Um, so you had that. But then also, I think he just had like some growing pains. You know what I'm saying? Like um, the minutes were, were kind of an issue. I think they said he averaged about 18 minutes uh, per per game. Uh, normally he would come in probably about the the 16 or 15 minute mark of the first half and then play for a stretch and then come out and all that, you know, and he did play with Cam at times. You know, one thing that Roy Williams likes to do is kind of tinker with his lineups, um, especially like in the, the early part of the season, like kind of before we get into the ACC schedule, you know, when you're playing against teams that, you know, you pretty much should be able to beat by double figures most nights. Um, so he likes to kind of, you know, mess around with different lineups and looks and stuff and, and kind of get a feel for, you know, what the kids can do and, you know, look at what the, the freshmen are able to do, what the guys that are coming back, you know, how they've improved and all that kind of stuff. So I think Nasir had a little bit of a um, a difficult time trying to figure out, you know, what his role was. There were some times where he kind of looked a little lost out there, um, but you would see the flashes of greatness. You, you would see all the stuff that, that got him, you know, those high rankings, you know, um, depending on what publication you were looking at, I seen him ranked as high as number two, you know what I'm saying? Number two or number three or somewhere in that top five, you know, for most of the, the the people that ranked the high school talent. So, you know, I think it was just kind of a combination of the situation that he was coming in with Cam and Luke Man. And I always thought that there was a spot for him, you know, probably taking Kenny Williams out of the starting lineup and maybe putting him in there. But, but you know, Roy never did that. Um, but he played a lot, but it was just like he didn't get – he didn't have as much sort of like freedom, I guess, as Kobe did because, you know, Kobe was the man at his position. Um, so I think it was just sort of a combination of of those things. And then, you know, once again, just like the um, sort of trying to figure out what he was what he was supposed to do out there. Um, but once he kind of got it, and I guess we can – we might maybe get into it a little bit later, but once he started, started figuring out, then you can start to see like, okay – he had a double-double or he had, you know, 
you know, 12, 16 points or something like that. And, you know, a couple assists or whatever, you know, that's when you started seeing some of the numbers really start to kind of pan out in the way that you would have expected them to be. Yeah, you mentioned him having to sit behind Cam Johnson and college, especially at a blue blood like North Carolina with a blue blood coach and Roy Williams. He's going to play the the senior or anybody. He, he's going to play the best college player possible. And, you know, He's right. not out there to get Nasir to the league. I mean, he, he's going to do his best when he recruits him. But at the end of the day, he has to win ball games. And Cam Johnson gave them their best opportunities to, to do so. And yeah. when you look at the state of college basketball and professional in the one and done era, you really only get one year to prove yourself and your stock can plummet. You look at a guy like Darius Baisley, who commits to Syracuse, says, no, I'm going to go play in the G League, and says, no, I'm going to go do a three-month internship at New Balance. He is an unknown. Nobody has seen him play in over a year, but scouts are fascinated with the unknown. And he hasn't played in a year and went higher than a prospect who was ranked higher than him going into going into college, played at a, a Final Four caliber program and under a wonderful coach. But because yeah. he didn't live up to those expectations per se, he uh-huh. was dropped. So it's it gives the it gives kids a lot to think about when you're going into you know, when you're making that decision, you know, obviously 2022, I think is the, the cutoff where they're going to allow high school prospects to jump. But up until then, I mean, you're seeing more and more players go overseas. You're seeing LaMelo Ball playing in the NBL in, in Australia. I think RJ Hampton is doing that as well. And it, it's going to be a different dynamic. So I think for any Blazer fans, you know, watching these YouTube highlights or watching the strengths and the weakness videos of Nasir Little, just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. Like this is a kid who physically dominated the competition in high school. And this is really the first time he's going to learn how to kind of play chess out on the basketball floor. Like, how am I going to set up this guy for this counter move? And he's going to think that's coming the next time. And I'm going to counter it the other way. So yeah. he's just going to need time to develop it. And Portland's coaching staff, I think this is a fantastic situation for, for little as well. The blazer coaching staff has done a wonderful job of, developing their talent. Terry Stotts, for all of the knocks you can make on him as an in-game, maybe strategic coach, he is a player's coach first, and he will give his players the freedom to succeed and really doesn't have kind of that that short leash that, that some other coaches or even college coaches will have. And the culture is here in Portland. You have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum who are going to show him how it's done at, as a rook. And then he's also really good friends with 2018 draft pick Anthony Simons, both from the Orlando area. So there is a sense of comfort, even though he's coming all the way across the continental United States, he already has a familiar face. And so factor that with the chip that he already has on his shoulder. I'm, I'm not expecting big things his rookie year, but I am very excited about the long-term prospect of Nasir Little in a trailblazer uniform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think that, like, you know, you talked about the draft earlier and, you know, from my perspective, you know, I was like, you know, kind of bugging out because I, I didn't expect, I don't think anybody expected Cam to go as high as he did. Uh, my expectation going into it was that that Kobe and Nasir would both be lottery picks and Cam would probably go somewhere between like 15 and 20. Um, but more than likely, if not that, then somewhere probably like, you know, that we would be doing this podcast talking about Cam Johnson. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. 
And so I had them them flip flopped. And I remember reading an article saying that uh, the Wizards were really interested in both Kobe and Isaiah, and they figured that if either one of them was still available at number nine, that they would take whichever one of those guys was there. So when Kobe went seven, I was like, okay, so nine's probably go nine. And then, you know, we got two lottery guys, and then now it's just a matter of waiting on Cam. That didn't happen. I'm like, oh, shit. So, okay, well, you know, let me let me figure out. Let me look at some of these next few picks. Then I saw Charlotte at 12. I was like, okay, well, MJ would probably take him. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's family and everything. That didn't happen. So I'm like, damn. Then I started looking at more picks and everything, and I I, I saw um, the Spurs at 19. I was like, okay, the Spurs, that would be perfect because they do a great job of developing their players. So if he gets with the Spurs and popping all of them, then that'd be perfect for him. They pick some other cat. I'm like, damn, yo. So I'm at some point, somebody just picked my man. I need somebody. <laughs> I kept looking at Woj and all of that. You know, I did the opposite of you guys. I'm looking at what he said. <laughs> trying to figure out, you know, where he might go. And then I finally saw that, you know, Portland was this. So I'm like, okay, Portland, that's what's up. He'll get out there with Dame and CJ and, you know, all those guys and 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 Nurkic, you know, should be back by the time the season begins. So I'm like, all right, that'd, that'd be a good situation. And kind of like what you just said, <clears throat> it might end up working out great for him in the sense that there won't be the level of expectations that, you know, he would have had if he was a lottery pick. He should have been a lottery pick. Talent-wise, he is a lottery pick. But for whatever reason, he slid. And I'm not really sure what the reason for that was. I don't know if it was something in the workouts or interviews or or what. Or maybe it was just maybe certain teams didn't have a need for a a kid like him. They might have needed something different, you know, in their situations. Um, But – he, he won't come in with the expectations that, you know, guys like Zion and, and you know, John Moran and all those guys that were picked in, in the earlier parts of the draft will have. So there'll be a little bit less pressure. Um, hopefully he'll definitely get into the, the rotation and just kind of figure it out. Like I said, he had some growing pains at Carolina, but and there were some things that I was kind of like hoping that he would improve on. So, for example, like playing defense and, and kind of, like there was a time early in the season where he would catch the ball, like maybe like at the top of the kiss up and try to make a move to get to the basket or, or create a shot or whatever and dribble it off his foot or get the ball stolen or something like that. So I'm like, yo, he needs to develop some moves so that he can get to where he wants to go to. Because if he can get, you know, an open lane and, you know, you've probably seen the highlights of him, you know, flying through the air and, you know, bringing it down. So, I'm like, you know, you need to be able to create your shot if you don't already have it. So as the games kept going on or whatever, I started noticing, all right, yeah, he's he's starting to do that. You know, he can he can now get to where he wants to go to or whatever. So there were certain things that I was kind of looking for like that throughout the season that I was I was very satisfied with um with improvement as he was able to sort of develop those things, but also as you started seeing like the confidence start to build and everything like that. And, you know, you had Kobe there, so there was the talk about, you know, what what Kobe is doing this, why is Nasir doing that? And then, of course, you know, the the big elephant in the room was eight miles down the road. You got the other shade of blue, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, so there's always going to be comparisons between us and them, you know what I'm saying? And especially with a kid like Zion there, you know, I have some questions about the type of pro that he'll be, but he was definitely a great college player. Um 
And he surpassed R.J. Barrett, who was really the number one kid coming into this year's class. You know what I'm saying? Everybody thought R.J. was going to be the top player at Duke, and he was going to be the top pick in the draft in the whole nine. So when you got those three kids over there at Duke, and they're starting and they're playing basically all of the minutes and all that, and then you got Nasir and Kobe and, and our guys, you know, it was a different dynamic. But I think a lot of people just get so caught up in – you know, other stuff that they weren't really looking at the situation as it was, um, you know, with with playing time and with who was in front of them and all that kind of stuff. So I think that he did a great job of of improving over time. Like I said, being able to to handle the ball. He started picking it up on defense a little bit at times. He had some really good blocks and times where he would, you know, slide his feet and do things like that that he needed to do in order to cut someone off. Um and then, like, once you start making plays like that, and then, you know, when you get a nice dunk and, and things like that or whatever, those things started building up the confidence. There were there were some times where, you know, he, they had him playing like the four, which I don't think he had ever done before. And, you know, he would get good post position, but sometimes it just wouldn't hit him. You know what I'm saying? Like, whoever had the ball didn't, didn't swing it over to him. So I'm like, yo, you could have gave it to him right there, and that's an easy layup or, or dunk or whatever. So, you know, sometimes, you know, things like that didn't work out. But I, I think that as as the games continued to go on, you started to see the player that he actually is and that he what he can be. And by the time we got into the tournament, if you see, you know, if you watch those games, if you see the highlights of those games, it was like everything had really started coming together at that point. You know, he played really well in the two games that we won, he got banged up. That was another thing that happened. He got banged up a couple of times during the course of the season. Um, and in the last game that we played that we lost to Auburn, um, he was sick. And I think a couple other guys, you know, had some symptoms as well. So that on top of the fact that these dudes came out and hit 17 three-pointers on us, is, is what, you know. Man, you didn't sound bitter at all, my G. You didn't sound bitter at all about that. Man, that was crazy. I'm sitting there watching. Because like, the first half, you know, we looked all right. You know what I'm saying? Things were going pretty good. I don't remember what the score was, but it was tied or it was close to something like that. They had hit like five five threes, and I don't I don't know we, we, what we had done at that point. But, man, they came out in the second half and hit 12. I'm like, come on, man. Unless, unless you're matching that or unless you're doing something else to counter that, like scoring 50, 60 points in a paint or something, then you're going to lose if, if a team hits 17 threes on you, especially 12 on one half. So You made a really good uh, observation about his draft position. And had he gone in the lottery, there's going to be a lot more expectations placed on him right away. And he's yeah. probably going to obviously go to a team with less of a talent pool. You drop down to Portland. Not only are you really not expected to contribute right away, but when you get on the floor – Let's say you get on the floor and one of Damer CJ's out there, maybe Nurkic is out there. The defenses are keyed in on those two or three players. Little is going to just be able to take advantage of the lack of attention and just Mm -hmm. focus on, okay, let me just hit my set shots. I don't need to be, you know, Steph Curry or Clay Thompson coming off of picks and catching and shooting. Just start doing one thing at a time. On defense, okay, I need to stay in front of my man and I need to rebound the basketball. On offense, I need to hit my open shots. Like you said, with the rhythm and the confidence, you start doing that, then he starts to feel more comfortable opening up his game. Let's say we get him out on transition. And I think a lot of players, obviously financially, it's never good to drop in the draft. 
Right. But if you're trying to get that second contract, which is always the big one that my friend Sage likes to talk about, this could be that type of, of situation because Portland needs a long-term solution at the small forward. We have Jake Lehman, who is restricted free agent, uh, Mo Harkless, who has one year left on his deal, and I think Portland has got the best out of him. So, you know, this pick may not make Portland better in 2020, but down the road, this we could look back and say this was a game changer for the Blazers. And one other thing that you talked about is Roy Williams played him at the four. And I've been reading a lot of forums from Carolina fans and for people who watched, you know, Nazir uh, at UNC. Do you think he has potential to be a small ball four or is his true position, even in a positionless league, just at the small forward? Um, I think if he, if, like if if the Blazers decide to try him out at that position and work with him on it, then I think he can he'll be able to figure it out and actually do it. It's just a matter of experience, you know. The mm-hmm. college is is short, so short compared to the NBA season. Like you know, all together, I mean, if you make it to the, the final four in the championship game, I think you play about forty games or something like that, you know, total. So, and that's just half of the NBA season. So I, I think. Um, you know, coming in with the expectations and then having, you know, sort of a switch of position and stuff like that, those things kind of slow down your progress a little bit and sort of take a little bit of your confidence away. But as I said, you know, once he started to sort of figure things out, then you started seeing him be able to make plays in different types of ways. You know, good good getting to the glass and then getting rebounds. He actually became a pretty good rebounder, um, especially on the offensive end. So, you know, look out for that being able to get tips and, and dunks and things like that um, around the glass. Um, I think that, yeah, if, if, if they work with him on that, if they, if they decided to try to, you know, further that work that coach Williams started, he'll eventually be able to get it. Cause like you said, he's a smart, smart guy, period, but he's a smart basketball player as well. You know what I'm saying? So I think that is something that he could develop into, but, um, and I think also one of the things that, you know, kind of hurt him at times was that, you know, the outside shot wasn't falling um, that much. Like he he got some good looks and there were a lot of times where he would take a three pointer or something like that and it would like rattling it out. So if those start falling, especially if he's going to be playing more of a three, then, you know, being able to hit outside shots, um, mid range joints, um, maybe taking it all the way back to the NBA three point line, then that'll all that'll also help him. But, you know, again, to answer the question, you know, I, I do think that he could develop that. It just sort of depends on what you all decide to do with him. Um, and another thing, kind of like back to what you were just saying about, you know, my comment about his draft position. Um, I think that if um, if he's out there playing with those other guys, like you mentioned, like with Dame and CJ and, you know, the main guys, the attention won't be on him. But as he has developed, you know, some of those – those moves to be able to get to spots like I was talking about earlier, then that'll help him be able to, you know, contribute, you know, right away. You know, all the weight of the world won't be on his shoulders like it'll be with some of those other rookies. Mm-hmm. But he can kind of come in and know, okay, well, yeah, I know that I can get to my spot. Like if I'm not already in a catch and shoot position or not already in a spot where I can just, you know, one dribble or maybe even no dribbles, just take it to the basket and yam on somebody, then, you know, he knows that, okay, well, I got the confidence to be able to, you know, take this ball at the top of the key, take a dribble, step in and shoot it because he knows he can do that now. You know what I'm saying? Now, obviously, this is the highest level of competition, but this is something that he's been able to develop. I watched him develop that over the course of the college season. So, 
that transition, you know, him being able to kind of score from the mid-range level in should be pretty, pretty much like, you know, comfortable for him. You know what I'm saying? And then he'll start developing other things. Right away, what do you think Nazir can contribute? What are his immediate strengths that you see either at Summer League or in whether it's in mop-up action or even projecting towards the end of the season if he does find himself at the end of that rotation? What can he contribute at the NBA level immediately? I'm hoping, like, to be able to see it. Now I have I have an agenda. You know, I got agendas um, for Portland, Chicago, and uh, and Phoenix, and then also Minnesota and uh, and um, the Spurs. You know, with all my 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 new Carolina guys being in the in the league now, or whatever. So I definitely be paying a lot more attention to the Blazers. But I'm hoping that what he can do for you guys is, um, like I said, out on the break. You know, he can definitely do that. We know he can. You know, he can. You know, catch alley oops and you know all that kind of stuff. But like I said, I think he's is, it has become a pretty good rebounder. So I think, you know, they're obviously not going to be running plays for him and stuff. But I think um, the catch and shooters is a possibility. I think rebounding will be a thing. Um, hopefully he'll be able to to do well on the defensive end. Um, like I said, being able to, to kind of get to spots if he's not sort of already where he wants to be to take a shot or to make some sort of a play. Um, I think he'll be able to to get to where he needs to go to. Um, it's just sort of a question of, you know, how they use him um, and sort of his confidence level. Um, coming in, I think summer league will be the first step in that, you know, because you're playing against other NBA talent, um, and then you know we we'll kind of see where he starts off at. But my hope by the by the end of the season, um, and and going into the playoffs, because you know obviously you guys are going to make the playoffs. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Especially especially this year, you know, because this is going to be wide open with Golden State being down for at least a year. Um, so there's an opportunity for everybody to kind of move up i'm hoping by the time you know the playoffs get around that he's definitely in the rotation within the i don't know how many guys you you know you you ran last year but let's say like this the eight seven eight you know player rotation or whatever it is nine players yeah, hopefully, kind of nine. yeah so yeah hopefully he's within that top nine and you know able to contribute and and, and give some really good minutes off the bench and then maybe in certain certain situations or games where he's kind of got it going, you know, you leave him out there a little bit longer than you might have. Um, you know what I'm saying? Maybe he's kind of got it going, you know, maybe let's say he gets in in the second quarter and, you know, kind of got it going a little bit, you know, with the second unit. And then when you bring back Dame and CJ and, and you know, all the starters or whatever, maybe you say, okay, well, you know what, I'm going to leave him out there. So hopefully he's a rotation guy for sure. Um, giving you more points in the paint, um, maybe being able to knock down some some mid-range stuff. Um, I don't know how much he's worked on his NBA threes, but, you know, at some point I could see him being able to be a credible NBA sh- uh, three-point shooter. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking at for the first year or whatever. And, and hopefully being like a, a pleasant surprise, really, like one of those guys that everybody looks at and says, yeah, they really did make a mistake by not taking this kid earlier. Like, you can actually see. But I honestly think, like, with him and even a guy like Cam Reddish from Duke, um, I think certain players are probably more ready for the NBA than they were for college to a certain extent because college is 
more of the system and more about the culture. Mm. You know, it's more of like the style of play um, in that in that sense. And obviously, NBA is is the highest level, but the situation that you get drafted into um, and the team that you play for has a lot to do with um, your success level or whatever. So down the line, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, all the stuff that you would have said before, all-star and, you know, all that kind of stuff or whatever. But for his first year, I think that he'll be able to contribute some some really good minutes and hopefully, you know, become one of the the, the rotation guys and, and, you know, maybe by midseason sort of, you know, be one of those top rookies that everybody's looking at, you know, going into the, the all-star break and, you know, the the um the rookie challenge and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Like, yo, this kid is really doing well for the, for Portland. With his athleticism, do you see him more as on a fast break team or can he play in the uh, half court since the Blazers are more of a bottom third pace wise so that we don't really push the break that much? And when we do, it's kind of sloppy because – we we're, we're kind of risk averse when it comes to the break. So how would he do in a, in a uh, slower paced uh, NBA team? Well, I, I definitely think that he'll improve your fast break. Uh, oh, absolutely! I can't wait to see him so, with his yeah, hand hold up. Yeah, you know, yeah, put that hand up, Dame. You know, start practicing your 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 lobs and everything. Um, like I said, I, I, yeah, I think in the half court setting he'll be fine. Um, because you know if you watch Carolina play, then we obviously play very fast, but. The, the best teams that, that Roy put out there um, weren't always the ones that won championships, but the mixture of his best team and his championship teams, they were they were very fast teams that could get the ball up the floor quickly, but they also played well in the half court. So it's like we can beat you any kind of way. We want to run, but we can slow it down in the half court and all that. So I think to answer your question, I think for him, he can play um, the half court game. Um, and that's what I was saying about being able to get to his spots. You know, if he's not already kind of in one of the spots that he wants to take a shot from or make a, you know, make a play or whatever. Um, I like that he was able to improve with that over the course of, of his season at Carolina. So I think he'll be able to do that. Um, you know, running, you know, screens and pick and roll and all that kind of stuff. I think he'll be able to do that stuff, um, especially with the the main guards being in the game and stuff. Um, and like I said, the rebounding, I think he became a pretty good rebounder. So hopefully Love it. so hopefully he'll be able to continue to do that, like on the offensive end and and get, you know, not really garbage points, but you know, just the 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 buckets right there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I, I got the I got the board, I put it back up, foul and one, you know, go to the line, um, you know, maybe catch a dunk off of, of you know, somebody's missed shot or, you know, things Love like it. that. So that mid-range, like I was saying before, like probably from mid-range down should be his area until he can kind of develop, you know, more of an outside shot. So I think he'll be able to contribute in half court for sure. Yeah, when you mentioned hitting open shots, I mean, that's where he's going to get in a Terry Stotts offense. And if he's going to crack the rotation, I would say to do that in, in Terry Stotts' system, you got to bust your ass on defense. Uh-huh. and hit hit open shots and there is an opening there because Maurice Harkless shot 42% from 3 in 2018 that dipped down to 28% in 2019 and i'm sure you've watched the blazers in the playoffs teams love double and tripling dame and cj and leaving harkless and aminu wide open for threes right. so if, if he's even an average nba shooter from downtown 
he yep. is going to find time on the, the, the court because that is what Blazer fans have been yearning for out of their forwards for the longest time, especially post LaMarcus Aldridge when it's really just been Dame leading the show and yep. so much focus being put on Lillard from, from the opposition. So if, if I'm Nazir Little, I am getting in that gym and I am working with Simons and I am catching and shooting 100, 200, 300 jump three-pointers in a row. And he mentioned um, in his Wizards workout, I think he hit like 73 out of 100. Another one, he was on pace for 73 out of 100. And he has a nice form. So that is always something that to keep in mind. Uh, he doesn't look like it's forced. It's pretty effortless. And Neil Olshay even commented that he shot about 77% from the free throw line in college. And that's usually a better indicator of three-point shooting at the NBA level than what he shot in college from the three-point line. Obviously, there are exceptions to that rule, but at least for the Trailblazers, that that seems to be uh, the rule for, for them. Damon CJ, both fantastic free-throw shooters at the college level. Maurice Harkless w- was not so much. So uh, I, I am excited. I really want to keep him around. You know, there's already, you know, trade talks around the fan base, you know, he's a steal. How can we add him to another package to get get a veteran? And I, I kind of want to pump the brakes on that because I want to see what we have. Uh, I'm a little bit gun shy about trading a prospect for a veteran after we moved Jermaine O'Neal for Dale Davis about 19 years ago. So I, I want to see what we got with with Nasir. Um, he cost control contacts are, contracts are always valuable. I mean, he was one of the top five high school recruits for a reason. I mean, it, it just doesn't, you know, yeah. since the last time the Blazers had someone who can blam on somebody, just Jerome blam Percy? on them. Oh, he'll, like, yeah. He'll bring that excitement. Definitely. Like, you know, you get him on the break or throw a, throw a lob to him or whatever. He'll definitely have that arena rocking. You know what I'm saying? So there's going to be a, an excitement level, but you know, I, I was I felt bad for him that he slipped in the draft, you know, especially when they started showing him and his family sitting there. And, you know, when they did the same thing with Bowl Bowl and some of the other guys that were still there, like you feel bad for these kids. But um, it might end up being, you know, a great situation in the sense, you know, of, of what we talked about before, where the expectations won't be so high for him to contribute immediately mm-hmm. and kind of figure it out. And I think. I think we'll, what we'll see over the course of this NBA season is, is what I saw over the course of the season um, at Carolina, where there might be certain things that you come in immediately and see, you know, maybe even starting in summer league. And then, you know, once we start with the preseason and all that, you might be able to say, OK, well, this is what I think he does well and where I think he needs to improve. But I just hope that he'll be able to get the playing time and the practice time, too, but really the playing time, because that's really where you develop the most that um, royal jelly right is that you know what i'm saying that we'll we'll all be able to say okay at at maybe like the you know the midpoint of the season and going into the place where you can start to say where you can see okay well yeah the things that i that i wanted him to improve on i think he's starting to improve on those things so i think we'll be able to, to sort of track his progress um throughout the course of the season or whatever so i'm, I'm pretty excited about that and i think he'll come in with a chip on his shoulder, you know, because he was, you know, passed by so many teams, maybe a few teams like Washington and some other ones that he he would have thought would take him. I think he's going to have more of a chip on his shoulder to kind of, 
you know, prove that, yo, I really am the dude that everybody thinks that I, that I am, you know, I, there's a reason, you know, that I was ranked so high coming out of, of uh, high school and, you know, I had a good college season, but it wasn't really what I wanted it to be, but I'm going to show y'all in the NBA what I can really do. I think he was going to come in with that mentality anyway, because, you know, his season was good, but it wasn't as great as he expected. Um, but now that, you know, 24 teams passed on him, you know, I think he's going to be out to kind of, you know, show them that, yo, I was I was the dude that you should have taken. You know, at but he was, in, he was dressed in that black and red, man. It, it was yeah. destiny. Yeah. It was saw, destiny. Yeah. When I saw Woj tweet, like, you know, yeah, the Blazers are about to take Nasir Little, I was like, yo, that's that's what's up. I was relieved because I'm like, okay, finally all my guys have been drafted. But then I, I did notice that. I was like, yo, he got on a red suit right now. So maybe this, you know, <laughs> this was really meant to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we made the joke that he looked like he was he he worked for Death Row Records, man. He he was black and red out, bro. The chain, man. Absolutely, dog. Oh man. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see him. Um like I said, I got agendas now, so I'll be definitely paying a lot more attention to Portland. Of course, you know, the Blazers are on TV a, a good amount anyway, but I'm planning on getting league passes. Hell yeah, man. So I'll be able to watch, you know, when y'all play against the Kings on a Tuesday night or something like that. That's not on national TV just to, you know, check in on my man. The only thing is, you know, it's it's crazy because, you know, that that West Coast time zone, you know what I'm saying? Y'all games. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, 1030 out here when the the first get started. So hopefully Adam Silver will do that uh, thing that they were talking about, maybe trying to start some of the the Western Conference games a little earlier in the next couple years. So that'll help out a lot. But I'm definitely looking forward to checking, you know, checking him out, you know, checking in on my other guys too. Non-basketball question, but very important to me. Is he, was he named? Is his name uh, an homage to Nasty Nas? I don't know, man. I really don't know. In my mind, it is. In my mind, that's what it is. So I'm gonna go with it. I don't know the official answer to that, man. Because I've been already thinking about like Nas quotables that I can yeah. I can say on the podcast, man. You got you gotta gotta think of all this. I always, yeah, I did that a lot. You know, when when they would do something, I would I would tweet out Nasty Nas or I'll you know put a Nas gift or something like that. <laughs> I mean, oh, man. His, his dad is pretty active on Twitter or whatever, so you could probably ask him and he'll tell you. I, I believe he's already following Dustin, so I, I need to get on that shit as well, my G. <laughs> Damn, man. You know what I'm saying? He's supposed to be following you, too. I have a question for you, uh, Leonard, and uh, let me preface it with, with no no ill intentions at all, but something that I, I've thought about. Uh, when you look at, at Syracuse, for example, that program – I think post Carmelo maybe has a stigma of players coming into the league and not living up to their potential. I think Carolina has had a handful of those players under Roy Williams, whether it's Kendall Marshall, Harrison Barnes, Brandon Wright um, uh, of the like. Do you think there is any credence or any sort of substance to that? Or it just happens to be a coincidence that they were better at college than their games translated to the league and should Blazer fans have any sort of um, second guesses when it comes to Nazir because he came from a Roy Williams system. Nah, I think that's some BS. Somebody uh, tweet something like that uh, draft night, like you know, is 
does that say a little slipping, you know, is that an indictment on Roy Williams and, and you know, would that make five-star kids not want to go to Carolina? I was like, yo, this is dumb. Like, this is fucking stupid to say something like that. I think, and I'm not calling you stupid, I'm just saying that, you know, that I thought that idea, um, it's just crazy to me. Like, first of all, like, I think, you know, the job of a college coach is to get great college players. You know, the NBA is is obviously where everybody wants to play at or whatever, but Roy Williams is not recruiting anybody to be an NBA star. He's recruiting you to be a player at Kansas back in the day or now at Carolina. Same thing that, you know, Coach K is doing and Cal and all these guys. Now, obviously, the NBA is where everybody wants to go. So you will look at that, um, the success level of, of players once they get there or whatever. Um, just for some of the guys that you mentioned, I think Brandon Wright left too soon. I don't think he was ready when he left because he left after his first year. And I really liked him when he was there, but I didn't think that he should leave. I mean, I'm always with the players. So, you know, do whatever you got to do. If you feel like you're ready to go, to go get your money. You know what I'm saying? But as far as his game and like, you know, you saw how thin he was and everything like that. I didn't think he was physically ready or talent wise really ready to to go into the league. So I think, you know, I mean, he played a number of years. You know? Yeah, he, he had a good career. Pretty, end of the day but it wasn't you know what you would expect with you know with his draft position and all of that um you know again that's an important thing like where you're drafted at because if you look at a guy like Andrew Wiggins if he wasn't the number one overall pick you know then you, your your view of him might be a little different you know what I'm saying if he was taken outside of the lottery or you know somewhere like 25 or something like that then you would think about him differently than you do at number one um, Kendall, I, I don't really know why he didn't, you know. Yo, I thought he was going to be so good. Uh, that that <laughs> passing. He was one of my favorite um, Carolina players and one of my favorite point guards. Joel Berry was the same way. And I don't really know why Joel wasn't able to really stick with the team. I mean, he's, he's playing in the, in the G League with the Lakers squad, and hopefully he'll be able to, you know, kind of become like a two-way player um, and eventually just stick in the NBA. But I thought Kendall's game translated well to the NBA. Um, but for whatever reason, it, it didn't. He was a lottery pick. Um, so, I mean, the league, like, that's one thing that I that I always think about um, and tell people when I talk about stuff like this. You know, you look at Nasir, you look at, you know, a number of different players. You know, you could pick really any school. Like, when you level up, there's going to be growing pain sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Some people like come in with great expectations and they live up to them immediately. Other people, it might take a little bit of time before they actually develop into the person that you think that they're going to be. And sometimes, you know, it just doesn't work out for people. You know what I'm saying? I mean, cause you could be the man at high school, but when you get to college, your, your college numbers aren't really as, as great as people would have expected for whatever reason, it could be any number of reasons, you know, for that. And then, you know, when you level up to the NBA, it's another, you know, step up in the game. Um, so I just think that, you know, there's this weird thing that people always say about Roy and the guys that he's been able to put into the league, um, you know, especially at Carolina. I think it's kind of a negative recruiting thing that people like to do. But we have gotten some 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 really good talent. Um, you mentioned Harrison Barnes earlier. That's That's NBA champion Harrison Barnes to you, sir. Because <laughs> <laughs> he did win when he was with uh, the Warriors, um, and he's also a max salary, a max contract guy as well. So he's got paid, um, and hopefully he'll be able to get another big contract because he just opted out 
with uh with the Kings or whatever. So we'll see what happens with him. But um, yeah, I just think that you know it's a thing that there's something about Roy that that people kind of always go to that because they don't really say that about you know Coach K and his guys. Because I mean, really, Duke has just started having NBA success more recently, like really since Kyrie. You know, um, they've had some some guys that have been a little bit more successful in the NBA. Before that, Grant Hill was really it. But, you know, Grant had, you know, those injuries and stuff like that. And, you know, there was the untapped potential of Jason Williams, you know, after he had the, the motorcycle accident. Like, he was able to do what people thought that, that he was going to do. But, you know, him and, you know, and, and Grant Hill were so, sort of the only ones until, like, Kyrie came around. Um, and now they've got, you know, some guys. But they've got some some busts. Jabari Parker, where is he at right now? You know, where's Jaleel Okafor? What is he up to? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you can, you can go down that list with anybody, man. I, I don't think that Portland fans have anything to worry about in terms of, you know, getting a Carolina guy or whatever. I mean, because we are one of the top programs or whatever. So why wouldn't you want a guy that was highly touted coming out of Carolina, Kentucky, Duke? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you lucked out with Dame and CJ coming from Lehigh and, and Weber State. Those are not basketball powerhouses. No, see, yeah, we're we're not used to the the blue bloods. We're used to just finding diamonds in the rough. And like I was, like I said, like I would say the same thing about Bill Self at right. Kansas as well. Like those prospects you mentioned, Andrew Wiggins. Like you don't know what you're gonna get from him. But yeah. you look at Roy at, at Kansas. He had no problem putting out. You know, he had Rafe, Paul Pierce. Yep. Heinrich, Drew Gooden, uh, Nick Collison. Like, it's it just, it's interesting maybe how he's trying to coach. I mean, he's obviously having collegiate success. And right. like you mentioned, Coach uh, K, maybe outside of Elton Brand and Grant Hill, post pre 2000, he wasn't putting dudes in the league. No, he, it just started once he really embraced that, that one and done. So it's just kind of something. Um, that always pops in my mind when, when you're looking at looking at a prospect. Yeah, is, and I think that, you know, Kobe, Cam, and Nasir will be an example of, of what Roy can do with guys while they're in school and then, you know, going on to NBA success. Next year at this time, we'll be talking about Cole Anthony, you know, going oh, yeah. as, a, as, a, as a, a top guy from Carolina and stuff like that. So I think – now that people are starting to see, because we we recruited a lot of the same guys that that Cal and Coach K and all of them have recruited, but you know we just didn't get them. But I think you know, and I, that's why Nasir was also an important player for us as well, because you know he was that highly touted guy, or whatever, who decided, "Yo, I want to go to Carolina." You know what I'm saying? Then I think like even though we produced, you know, the greatest of all time and a lot of other great NBA talent. The kids know that, but they haven't really seen it. They've seen guys go to Duke and Kentucky and get drafted or whatever. So that's why those have become the trend. So I think that hopefully we're in a, a position where you'll start to see more of those guys start picking Carolina because they see their peers. They see the guys that are a couple of years ahead of them do it. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like they're going to follow the example that other people have kind of set or whatever. So I think this draft class – Cole next year and hopefully, you know, more guys in the future will start, you know, making it so that, yeah, this is, we're one of the high schools. Cause I remember like in 08 and 09, like when we won that title in 09, people were talking about it was over for Coach K. It was over. Roy Williams is kicking his ass and recruiting. He's, you know, winning on the floor. He just won a championship. 
you know, they recreated the Muhammad Ali joint where, you know, he was standing over <laughs> and they put Roy's face on him and, you know, Coach K was on the ground. Like, that was the talk, right? But then the next season, I think, is when he brought in Kyrie. And then things started changing. And Kyrie only played um, 11 games for them. But that was the start of it. You know, recruiting is a cyclical thing. So, you know, there's times where people get hot and, and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully we're starting to heat up, with, you know, with that um, on the college level and then being able to put out guys into the league that are, you know, having success and stuff like that. I, I think we're, you know, sort of trending in the right direction. Yeah, because me growing up in, you know, the, the 90s, yeah. North Carolina was the school. Like you had heard in the past, you had Perkins and Worthy and, and Jordan and then Stackhouse and Rashid and, and Vince and Anton Jameson. And like those were legit MVP prospects. And, you know, hopefully, like you mentioned, this draft class for Carolina can, can start to set that back into place. And especially if you're a Blazer fan, hopefully Nazir Little can be that crown jewel. And you yeah. can look back and say, 2019, June 20th, that's when it all turned around for Portland, getting this highly touted prospect and look what he was able to do. And I think, especially, you know, you talked about Cam and Kobe, but but with, with Nasir, if he's able to have the impact that, that we're hoping he is, it not only helps Blazer fans, but Carolina fans have got to be giddy as well, because then you can use that as a recruiting tool for the Cole Anthony's uh, of the world. Yep. I mean, you know, and, and we can do that. And then we can also talk our trash, you know what I'm saying, about, you know, like I, I love the fact that I was able to, you know, hype up the fact that, oh, yeah, my man Danny Green just won another ring. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going at it with Kentucky fans or Duke fans or whatever. I could be like, yeah, my man just got another ring. Where's your guy at? You know, so that that definitely helps. But I, I think that, you know, Nasir is going to be a player that, you know, hopefully can get into rotation and, and do well this first year and then just kind of build on that as he continues to go. So, like, the life of this first contract, hopefully by the time he's ready to sign the second one, he'll be worthy of, of getting some really good money. And oh, they, he's getting max. He's getting max just because of how tall he is, how athletic he is. Yeah. Yo, you see, you see, worse players get major deals like a Solomon Hill or an Allen Crabb. Just the potential of how how tall he is, how long his arms are. Yo, there's not many of them in the world, so of course he's gonna he's gonna get paid in full, like Eric B and Rakim. For sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing all that happen. What do you think? before we wrap this up, what do you think his, his current NBA comparison is? And to follow that up, what, what's his max? Where, where can he top out at? Uh, I don't know who his uh, NBA comparison would be right now. Um, I'd have to think about that. I wonder if you guys have any answers to that. Um, I would say after watching the videos, reading all the scouting reports, you know, obviously listening throughout this, this podcast, to me, he reminds me a little bit of Maurice Harkless and and Jalen Brown. Really good yeah, athletes. Really good athletes can get on the floor, can finish with authority. Suspect shooter at the moment, not too much of an offensive threat. Um, I think his floor is someone like Stanley Johnson, who came in one year just like just like Nazir out of Arizona, really used his physical um, traits to bully people at that level or even in college. And it just, he never was able to put it together. I think that is his floor, his ceiling to me. I mean, if I, if I look at him 
and, and see what he can can top out at. I mean, you're you're looking at a guy. I would say a better shooting Gerald Wallace. I mean, that's really what what the type of energy and athleticism on defense and you know Wallace. Would, you know, he was in Portland for a lot of his prime years was not able to shoot. So if you can get a better shooting Gerald Wallace, you're getting a perennial all-star. So I think he does have multi-all-star potential. I like those. Yeah, I think Dylan yeah. Brown is probably a good comparison for right now because he – I don't know if their games are really that similar, but they they kind of can do some of the same things. Like, you know, just kind of thinking about what Jalen Brown is doing for Boston. Um you know, he's got the athleticism. He he can hit the outside shots and, and things like that. He's kind of a – it'll be interesting to see how they use him now, like if, if Kyrie does leave it. They sort of have to um, – <clears throat> excuse me, if they sort of have to like, you know, retool their, their roster and, and the, the roles of people. Um, but I could I could see that as a as a good first comparison. Um, Gerald Wallace, yeah, that's that's a pretty good one. Um, I'm not sure who I would say um, as a ceiling or whatever, but I, I think that he's got a a, a great deal of potential, um, and I think he could be somebody that you know, is definitely playing in All Star games and and you know doing a lot of a lot of things for this team or you know maybe even another team if he if he if it doesn't work out there for some reason but i think he can be an nba star for sure i think that's that's definitely you know where he's headed you know um in his future or whatever so that's what i would say i think blazer fans have to be pretty hyped for nazir after this conversation man thank you so much for being on and uh how can people uh, get in touch with you? Uh, so, like I said earlier, uh, L Brothers Me- at L Brothers Media on Twitter. Um, I have a podcast, Look and Listen Podcast. It's, it's been a while since I've done this show, but it's still out there. Uh, and I'll be doing some some more stuff soon in the future. So, Look and Listen Podcast on whatever podcast, um, you know, catcher that you, that you use. Uh, and at Look, Listen Pod on Twitter and also um, South End Cinema on Twitter and uh, Instagram as well. That's a, a new spot that I've created where I kind of, you know, mention some of the TV shows and, and movies and documentaries and stuff that I've been watching. And I'm hoping to do some stuff with that, like on the podcast and, and all of that at some point as well, where I, you know, kind of talk about some of the stuff that I've been looking at. Um, Cause there was like a lot of people that were asking me about that. Like when I would post, on uh, other social media or whatever they were like yo you should you know kind of put all of this in one space so i created a south end cinema for that so there's there's the those those three l brothers media at listen pod and um at south end cinema uh, we would love to have you on you know halfway through the year to talk about the development you've seen with uh nazir man oh, thank you so much for being on thank you for having me man i appreciate it Absolutely. Yeah. Jump in on Twitter during Summer League. We'll all be watching it. Uh, Blazer fans are pretty fanatical. And, uh, you know, we it's not really a joke, but we want to go back to back with these Summer League championships. You know, we, we, buy, we buy the Summer League merch. Uh, it's, it's a pretty big deal for us. So and with Nazir starting for us, um, I know we're all looking forward to all of the yeah. games in July. He'll be able to lead you to a summer league championship. Hell yeah! That's what we want to hear. That's what we're (laughs) the season, and then we'll roll from there into the regular season. Absolutely.
Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go.